You're listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey, The Good, The Bad, and The Branding with Danielle Clem, the weekly podcast created for fellow entrepreneurs, whether just starting out, established in your business, or simply testing out the waters. We're here to put the real back in entrepreneurial reality. Each episode guides you through the different paths walked and lessons learned by fellow bosses, how they got through it, and tips that got them there sprinkled in with a little business branding and a whole lot of heart. One question is, are you ready to dive in? Here's your host, designer, marketer, and frequent iced coffee drinker, Danielle Clem. Hey everyone, Danielle here. Just a quick friendly heads up before we get started that we have a community over on Facebook created for women just like you called the Female Biz Journey Insider Group. So you can find that over on Facebook and it'll be down in the show notes here to help you with any extra info, resources, or anything else that the guests or myself want to throw at you. So if that sounds good to you, then head over there and we can talk a little bit more. Now let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a truly awesome person, Tanya Connor Green. She is the woman behind Wholehearted Business Coach, and she is a transformational business coach for ambitious working women who are ready to get off the corporate ladder, take the courage to leap into ladypreneurship while still in their nine to five, and build a passion-based freedom business while deepening their sense of self and spirituality. Thank you and welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here because you, I mean, as you guys hear, she's awesome. And uh, one of the things that I love to start the show with is beginning with your journey to where uh, you got to and then ending up with kind of like your present and future workings. So if you can tell me a little bit about how you grew up and kind of what led you into starting going down this path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to. So I did not grow up knowing anything about entrepreneurship. I never, I was not one of those people who grew up thinking, I'm going to start a business of my own. Nope, never thought that. I was um, a type A personality child where I was like excelling at everything. And I wasn't one for the rules. I never really liked rules, but I was really good at school. I was really good at getting great marks, you know? So I really thought that I was going to be I thought I was going to be an orthodontist because I always thought when I got my teeth fixed, I was more confident in smiling. And I thought it was such a wonderful thing to be able to help people feel confident in their smile. And in thinking about that, I'm realizing that what I do now is also very much based in helping people have an incredible life that they love and like smiling and being happy and stuff like that. So now it's a little bit different than being an orthodontist, but I, um, certainly I'm helping people smile and love their life. So I, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to own a business or start a business. I didn't have any, no, no one in my family has been an entrepreneur. So when I came out and said that I was going to start my own business or leave my nine to five job, especially because I was working for my family at the time, my family was like, I'm very successful in the commercial insurance industry. And they easily got me jobs since I was in university or college. And so that was just like the path I was going to take. And when I decided to start my own business, it was like a big shock to everyone, I think. And I know you kind of asked me how my friends and family 
felt about it. And I mean, at the beginning, when I first talked about it, I think they thought like, oh, there goes Tanya again. <laughs> One of her like passions, because when I like something, I get super into it, super into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they just figured that I was going to, you know, get really into it for a little while and then give it up and like go to my job because I was really good at my job too. And I did really like my job at the beginning. But I think that when you've been doing, I think I had like a quarter life crisis at the age of 25. They're, where they're I, true. They're real. <laughs> oh, totally. I know so many people have had the same experience where at 25, you like look at your life because you're finished, you're finished school. Mm-hmm. You're in your job. I had my own apartment. I was like living my life, had a boyfriend and I lick, I, I would wake up and look around my very expensive apartment and think, so I go to work every day to pay for this. And then I come home, I make dinner, maybe watch TV, go to sleep, wake up and do it all over again. Is this what my life's going to be like forever? And I think that also because when you're first starting out, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but um, you only have 10 days of vacation. Some people have less, but I started with 10 days of vacation. And I used to think to myself, 10 days, those are, I can only do something in the world 10 days every year for the rest of my life that doesn't seem like a very fun life to only get to do things on 10 days of the year. Like what? I'm going to work all year long just to get those 10 days. Like that was, that didn't feel good to me. And so I would look around my apartment and think, Oh, I go to work every day to pay for this. Like this is what I'm paying for. This is not what I want to be using my money for. And as I saved up my vacation, I then was going to go to Australia and I live in Toronto. So three hours or sorry, 30 hour, 30 hour <laughs> flight away, not three hours, 30 hours. We wish. And I, yeah. Oh goodness. I can't wait for one day. Elon Musk is going to mm-hmm. make it easy to travel there, but, um, in, in, in 30 hours. So I wasn't going to go there for 10 days. I, if I was going to go, I had to go for longer. So I saved up my vacation. And when I finally had enough, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Australia. And my boss said, no, you couldn't take off all of that vacation all at once. And that was the end. I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I can't do this. This is going to be my life. So I, at the time, was like really interested in starting a business. The guy that I do a podcast with was an entrepreneur. So he was my very first experience of even seeing what that life was like because I didn't even know anybody who was an entrepreneur. Like it seemed like that thing on like Shark Tank or um, whatever the other show is called that like some other people do it, but not me. That's not going to be me. Like I, I work in a job, like I have a realistic goals. And, um, when I saw him and his life, I, I was like, you know, maybe I could do this. And what would I want to do? Cause what he was doing was writing and I'm not a very good writer. So <laughs> I didn't want to do that. And he kept think he kept saying to me, keep thinking, Tanya, keep thinking. And I would read a lot of books and I was always trying to come up with an idea of something that I would be so passionate about that I could do forever outside of my job. And so at the beginning, it was really tough. Everything I tried, I'm like, could I really do this or am I just trying too hard? And when I went through a really bad breakup, when I blew up my life at the age of 25, when you go through a quarter life crisis, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything about my life. So I was in not a very great place and my best friend sent me, she's like, please just watch this um, TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. And I was like, really, is this really what you're going to tell me to do right now? I'm crying and like not upset. This is not the time for freaking TED talk. And she was like, please just do it. So anyways, 
that became history because after watching that TED talk, my whole life changed. I bought every Brene Brown book that ever existed. I started thinking about other things. Someone had said to me once, like, Tanya, I think you'd be really good at being a coach. And at the time I was like, what? That's crazy. But in this time where I was open to anything, I started looking into it and it turned out that there was a place really close to my house because I wanted to do in person. Uh, and so I went to the place in very close to my house for a year and a half and got a professional coaching certification. Not that that really matters, but <laughs> I did do it. And it just really opened my whole life up to starting a coaching business and having an online business and then how you can do that from anywhere. And you can make as much money as you want. You can travel as much as you want, whenever you want, being your own boss. So I think that that really shifted my perspective was have like seeing someone who was doing it and then looking for ways that I could do that and then really following the guidance that, you know, that the universe sends you. So I probably wouldn't have felt that way if I wasn't meant to go through that coaching designation, if I wasn't meant to be doing this. So just following that and not really like not really preventing yourself from listening to the little things, the little inklings that you're thinking to yourself, hmm, maybe that would be cool. Right. Because they're like, oh, that's not realistic. And we just turn all those dreams down once we get to a certain age. And if you're not dead, you can still start a business. If you're not dead, you can change what you're doing. You know, like yes. I don't think that at any age you really have to be like, well, I'm too old for that or I have too many responsibilities for that now. Yes, you point on really two great – I mean everything you said is fantastic. But there's two really good points that I want to point out for the listeners because it's something that's not talked about enough is for – you when you just started out especially for being in an expensive apartment and you kind of had that mental switch of why am I paying for something that I'm only literally unconsciously sleeping in <laughs> versus mm -hmm. actually experiencing that and I've noticed that for a lot of people that I uh, have been around is that they want they want all the material stuff you know which is totally fine and can be attainable but if you don't actually enjoy it what's the point in it and I'm happy you brought that up. And also, because we've talked about this before off off the podcast, about the coaching certifications. And I would love if you talk a little bit more about your stance on uh, when you went through that. Because I know a lot of people who are listening to this, or just people in general, really have always had those kind of inklings of becoming a coach or a writer or one of those things that people hear so much about. You need experience or, you know, to be certified or a degree. And I'd love to hear your experience and your opinions about it. Oh, goodness. I hope you're all ready for something controversial <laughs> because I don't have the typical uh, viewpoint on that at all. But I, I listen, I did the certification because I had been brainwashed to believe that you have to be certified to do something. I was brainwashed to believe you have to go to school to learn. You have to get good marks to be successful in life. And absolutely none of that is even true. And I think that we get brainwashed by society to believe we have to go to school to do something because that's what they did. So they have to justify how they got to their job or what they've, what they've been successful in because they were good in school or because they got a certain certification. Listen, if you're going to be a doctor, please do go to school. I don't really want you to operate on me or be my doctor if you haven't gone to school. But 
the basis of how people become great doctors is by doing the thing, by being there. They, no one learns out of a book. I always describe it now as you don't learn how to skydive by reading about it in a book. Like you have to do it mm -hmm. to actually experience it. And though, yes, I went and did a very long and extensive certification program and spent over $10,000 doing, $10, doing that, I think the, the the thing I got most out of it is clearly I, I be, was very confident after spending a year and a half um, studying that. But I think the key was practicing. There was so much practice. We had to have paying clients in order to get our designation or certification. And we had to have get feedback on our actual coaching sessions with our real clients. We also got um, feedback on coaching in our class. So I think the key is practice. Number one, you don't have to have a certification in order to practice and two, um, getting feedback looking. And I even just shared with my leap ladies, um, which is my business coaching program. I just shared with them last night that you can always record your session. All you have to do is ask permission to record your session and you can go back through and look at where can I have asked a different question? Where could I have maybe shifted that? What did I miss there, right? So you don't need to have a certification in order to look for those things. But there are resources like um, the book, the Co uh, I think it's called Coactive Coaching, mm -hmm. is a great starter book. It's not exactly very exciting, but it is very informative of how to coach people, how to ask what or how questions, how to reflect, how to listen actively. Like, so you can learn to be a great, powerful coach without spending thousands of dollars on a certification. And personally, I think it's just a, a lot of cash grab and uh, brainwashing that we need a certification to do something. That being said, when I did have my certification, I was pretty pissed about that so many people were coaching without certifications. And I just spent so much time and money getting this certification and no one cared. Literally, I have to this day, three years later, I have only had one person. I probably have spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people. One person has asked me about it. And it hasn't been for the last two years that someone's asked me. So I used to be like, why does nobody care that I got this certification? Because they don't hire you because of the degree. They, they probably will never even ask about it. They probably have no care in the world where you got certified. They're, they're checking to see if they believe that you can help them. Yes. I mean, a thousand times all of that, yes. And the reason why I loved asking you is because you're not going from an opinion where you've never done the certification like you, you know, people who talk about it and they haven't experienced it. You've experienced it. You've been in the trenches and you can still come out of that and, and understand that. So for those, I think it's really good to understand that the only one holding you back in this is you. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things that you said was people are willing to do a lot for you if you just ask them. You know, mm -hmm. if you ask them for permission to record or even for myself uh, for this podcast, I, I, all of these people I have on here, including you, I love, and I asked you to be on here. And there's just something, and there's something beautiful and so personal about just truly from the bottom of your heart, genuinely asking someone that you care, care about and want to help and have that same respect that you can do a lot with. Mm -hmm. And I love that you pointed that out because I think that's important in every aspect of your business is ask for 100% of what you want. 
there's, you're not going to die. Nobody's going <laughs> to not like you because you ask them a question. Just ask. Like everyone always asks me about how I come up with topics every week for my live videos or how I create things. And I always say it's the lazy way, but I mean, I personally also think it's the better way is just ask them like, mm-hmm. why, why come up with it all in your mind when you don't know you're basically guessing. And if you ask people what they want, you're going to create something they want. Yes, I, I think that's so true. And people really underestimate the power of polls and surveys, you know, mm-hmm. through their audience. And the fantastic thing about 2018 is you can do a poll on Instagram stories. You can do, I mean, you can do them anywhere. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why people do so many of them or people, you know, ask their audience because you're getting direct answers that you, mm-hmm. before before this, you would have to kind of just guesstimate and hope that you would, you know, hit the nail on the chalkboard, but you get to hear from them about what they actually want. Mm-hmm. And then you know for sure that the thing you're creating, people are going to want. Because my biggest fear always with my clients is that they'll create a course or a podcast or something that people don't care about, people don't want. Mm-hmm. And they end up going through all the trouble, well, they don't because I would never allow this, but <laughs> that that my biggest fear would be that they would go through the trouble and put in the money and the time and the energy into creating something and then nobody wants it. That includes programs, um, content, lead magnets, videos, whatever it is. But if you create something, you put time, money, and energy into it and then nobody wanted it, that's really not fun. So you can prevent that from happening by simply asking the question. Yes, and I think that's actually a really great uh, transition because I want the audience to know too, because, you know, everyone who is a business coach, usually they have, they're trying to do something or they just have a blanket, you know, terminology. Why did you choose to go about having the transformational part in your business for that? Mm-hmm. Well, for one, I never wanted to be a business coach, so that was part <laughs> of it. I was like, well, if it says transformational, then at least it's going to be deep yes. <laughs> um, because I think that... I didn't ever want to be one of those coaches that stuck to the surface level information. Like the reason that people aren't starting their business isn't because they don't know the steps. Like maybe they don't, but they can clearly find them out on Google. And it's generally the personal mindset struggles or the avoidance or the procrastination stuff or the scheduling or the their stories in their mind that tell them why they can and can't do something. And so the transformational part for me was that I don't just help people with their business strategies, but I help them dig into the things that are preventing them from moving forward in their business that are more mindset related uh, than just business strategies. Because anyone can teach you business strategies, but are you really getting to the root of where your personal limitations are coming from? And we create a business based on what we believe is possible for us. So if you don't believe that something bigger is possible for you, you're not going to go for that bigger thing. And I don't like small goals. We, we don't make small goals because that's not exciting. So you have to dig deep into why does somebody want something before you just create a business just because creating a business. Like no, none of my clients are creating businesses just to make money. Yes. They don't just want money. They have something deeper, a deeper desire, a deeper why beneath that, that they chose what they're doing. So I think that was kind of my one going into business coaching 
I didn't really want to believe that I was a business coach for a really long time. So I, I put that transformational part in front of it to be like, we don't just talk about business. We also talk about you, the person, because I really believe that you can't coach the business separate from the person and you can't coach a person separate from their business. So we're just one person, like it's all included in who we are. So I think the transformational part just tells me that we can dig deeper into the mindset parts. 110% agree. I I think there was a poll I saw a while ago in one of the Facebook groups and it was something about what would be the coach out of the, I think it was business, uh, mindset, and life coach that those are three options. Who would you go for? And um, the first one was business, second one was mindset, and the last one was life. But if you really think about it, they're all different facets of just the person. So I love that you bring that up because you inter- you intertwine you know, the different facets and mindset plays such a huge game in anything we do. And I wonder, as you've worked with so many clients, has, is there like one or two main mindset beliefs that uh, most of your clients start out with? Mm, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would, one, I think the main one that most people come to you is like, well, I, I would say there's a handful of main ones. One that they don't know enough yet. They can't get started yet or they can't say that yet. They're not an expert yet. You know, I'm not that person yet. And I don't really know if we ever feel like that person wholly. Mm -hmm. I think you feel like that person by doing it and being like, whoa, I am good at that. (laughs) But you wouldn't know until you do it. And I think we don't give ourselves credit for the things we do know and the people we can help and the things that we have developed or grown or learned. We only focus on the things we don't know yet that we are not an expert in or the things that we're not at that level yet. And so I think that holds people back that they don't know enough yet or that they're, they are not enough yet to say those things or offer those services. Number two would be being salesy. Nobody (laughs) wants to be freaking salesy. If I hear that like two more times. Oh my goodness. I always think about it like that by selling, you're giving someone something they want. Exactly. Like my new thing is selling is sexy. Like if you're sell, and the only reason you guys see me, right, is because I am doing that. It's because I'm showing up and being visible and talking about my programs. Like some people are like, Tanya, I'm tired of hearing about your LEAP program. Well, you need to hear about it because if you're not at that level and the reason you're hearing about it is by design means that you're at the place where it would be helpful for you. The more you hear about it, the more you're more inclined when you are ready to decide to choose that. The thing you're most familiar with is the thing that you're going to purchase. If we didn't know what Tide Pods were, nobody would purchase them. (laughs) That's a very good point that you make. And I want to bring that up too is, as we mentioned before, uh, before we got on the podcast is, this girl does work. She, I mean, she puts out fantastic content so often and she does it strategically. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about why and how you created that for yourself? Okay, I won't get too technical with it because I can get very tech nerdy about it. But there is, how can I describe this as, Facebook is tracking everything you do. Literally everywhere you go, whether you're on Facebook or not, it's tracking you. And it's tracking the things you're reading, the things you're texting, the things you're talking about, the things you're watching or clicking on, et cetera. Everywhere you go on your computer or your phone, it's tracking you. 
And when I figured, when I learned about that, that's how we started our podcast. Because I was like, how have I been in business for two years and didn't know about this? Clearly, people are not talking about it enough. But that's also how Google, when you search something in Google, it comes up on the side. So I use the Facebook pixel as a way to get my content in front of people. And that's how the algorithms work on social media. The more somebody likes, looks, reads, comments, engages with, engages with your content, the more they're going to see it. Because now the Facebook pixel is tracking that they have watched that. So it's going to show them more of that stuff. And that's also how fake news happens. It's yes. like the more you read fake news, the more you see fake news. <laughs> so that's like I use that not to create fake news, but to um, put my content in front of the people who are interested in it. So once they click on something there or they download something or they join something, they're going to get, they're going to see the next stage of my nurture sequence or my sales funnel. Because I believe the more you see something, the more familiar you are with it, the more you're inclined to purchase it. The person you see the most, the person who's top of mind when you're ready to purchase is the person who you're going to hire or you're going to reach out to. So how can you get in front of those people regularly and daily so that you're always providing value to them, but not giving them so much that they, if you give too much away for free, people believe that they can do it on their own. And if people could do it on their own, nobody would have a coach at the Olympics because I can guarantee you most coaches out there probably didn't get to the level of the person they're coaching. Yep. So by other like I just always think about that because there's not a single athlete that gets to the Olympics without a coach and there's not any of us in business that did it on our own. I am very into doing it on my own. Believe me, I I have like pr prided myself on being super independent my whole life, probably to a fault. Yeah, definitely to a fault. But um, that was one of the biggest lessons and the biggest struggles for me at the beginning and probably still is till this day is like asking for help. Like I will do everything in my power to try and figure it out myself and I won't get anywhere. I'll waste my time. And when you're working, you don't have time to waste. You have a very limited amount of time to build a business. If you have kids, you have a very limited amount of time to build a business. And if I had done it, if I had tried to do it on my own for so long, I would have ended up nowhere. Well, I did end up nowhere. So I think that after like a year and a half, I finally caved and was like, okay, I'm going to hire a coach. Well, within six months of hiring a coach, I was quitting my job. Actually, within four months of hiring a coach, I was making more money than I was in my nine to five job. And I was making more than $100,000 in my nine to five job. So it wasn't like I could just... I wasn't making $20,000 and being like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> yes. Like I had to make $100,000 or more in my business before I was able to quit. I really like that you mentioned that too because there's something that I've noticed uh, people don't really understand, especially starting out, is you have two things. You're either going to spend your time or spend your money. And I don't think people really understand the severity of this, you know, especially, for example, uh, as you've probably been there for email marketing starting out, we all know about MailChimp. And mm -hmm. oh my goodness, <laughs> exactly. That's the first response for everyone. And <laughs> Do not use MailChimp. Sorry, MailChimp. Love no, you. But like, it's free, but don't use it. That's that's exactly it. And there is a I forget what it was or something that I was watching a while ago. And, you know, I'm always up to try and figure things out as I think you and I are similar to where we're 
we understand tech, I mean, not like to a computer programmer extent, but we can kind of pick it up rather okay. And there were certain parts of it where I was just like, man, I cannot, I cannot get certain parts of this. And it was, you know, making it so I wanted to procrastinate. And I realized the more time I spent on this, it wasn't helping anything. And at that point, I realized it's not worth my time. So I need to just invest money into going somewhere else. And I think people forget that is that, you know, your time, you you don't get that back. There's li- there's literally no way <laughs> you can get back the time that you've spent. But you can buy it back. But you can, exactly. <laughs> you can buy back and you can buy a better way of life and better future when you have those kind of shortcuts or whatever else you need you need at that time. So I like that you mentioned that because I think especially for coaches or people who are considering coaches is that they um, they're always afraid of well, is it worth my time or is it worth my money? But it's like, well, do you want to stay at the current place you're at? Mm-hmm. And like, I think you bring up a great time, a point about the saving your time versus saving your money. Because also, how much time are you spending scrolling and looking for the answer? Mm-hmm. How much time are you sp- and like, what could you be better using that time to make money so that you can quit your job? And like, I always think about my business program about how I'm not sharing anything that's revolutionary in that program. It's not about the information. It's about what you do with it. So I always describe it as like, I can tell you how to build a house, right? So how to create a foundation, how to build walls, how to put like put a roof on, how to um, make a bathroom and blah, blah, blah. But the customizations of what you do with it is yours. So even if somebody's helping you and giving you the guidance of like, these are the steps, these are the things that you can use. These are the things that need to be included and like supporting you and making them better and making them actually work towards each other and read your analytics. That's going to save you so much time of having to figure out, well, what am I supposed to be doing here? What's not working? Why isn't this working? And having a coach or a support system or a group that's there to help you. Like the thing I love about my leap program is that literally I've never been in a group where people only want to help you to make your program better, to help you, to support you, to share your content, to get it out to the world. Like having another couple of people behind you, whether it's an accountability partner, a coach, a group of people, but having those people who will literally share your content, who will review things for you, who will, um, promote it to their, to their lists, promote it to their groups, um, tell people about you. That really helps. Like the collaboration is how you get that message out there outside of like paid ads and doing it yourself. Because the more people that are talking about you, the more people are going to hear about you. So really looking at how can I save my time? How can I get support in putting this together and making this happen rather than spending so much time scrolling and searching and trying to figure it all out on your own? And though we all don't enjoy asking for help, I always think of now that my new story with asking for help is that asking for help honors the person that you ask. So if you ask for help from someone. Like think about when someone asks you for help. Are you like, oh, this is terrible. I have to help them. I'm so angry about it. No. When you help somebody, you feel good. You get a hit of like the helper's high. Mm -hmm. So it's actually giving a gift to the person that you ask because you're giving them that hit of the helper's high. So you honor the person that you ask for help from. 
Yes, I completely so, agree with that too. Because mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned that. I don't think people remember sometimes, especially for when you uh, start your you know nine to five that kind of thing. You kind of drop a lot of the the, the parts that were instilled in you. Usually, you know, you volunteered maybe uh, at a church or at a food drive when you were younger, whatever it might be, and you forget how good it feels to help others or you know, you push that down with saying you don't have enough time or or anything in that uh, arena. So I love that you mentioned that because when people ask you for anything, it's not traditionally, you don't try and push them away. Usually you welcome no. them with open arms. Mm-hmm. And you're excited. Like people love to talk about what they do or to help people or to show someone else how to do like people love teaching. It's usually ingrained in us that like that's how social societies work, right? Like we support each other. And so by asking for help, it's not a sign that you're weak or that you're stupid or any of those things. It's literally that you ask someone who's a couple of steps ahead of you and you give them the gift of the helper's high. Yes, I love everything about that. And it actually brings into a really good point about when people start out. And I think that you mentioned this too, is like when anyone starts out really is asking is not, it's nothing crazy. I know it doesn't take that much time, but also to listen as well. I think, uh, especially for those who are in a business where they're starting out and they're not used to having to rely so much on other people's feedback, they can either take it incorrectly or they, they'll, uh, take parts of it but not the part that they need and Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned that too because in your Facebook group and in everything you do which will be linked down below is you have people who invest in you you know they're when they follow you they're following you as a person they're not trying to follow you um, just because of your business or anything towards that they're following you because they enjoy you and they enjoy what you say and the way you say it Mm -hmm. and that's such a good point in saying like you don't have to come up. This is one of the stories I used to have about myself was that I had to come up with something like that was so revolutionary or new or never been said before or unique or something like that. And like, to be honest, you don't have to come up with some brand new idea or brand new thing in order to be successful. You can put your own spin on it. That's what Gabby Bernstein does. I love Gabby Bernstein. And she talks about A Course in Miracles. I mean, A Course in Miracles is very dense to read. Yes. So I'm very grateful that Gabby Bernstein shares the messages that she's gotten from that book. Because to be honest, I don't know if I will ever get through the entire book. <laughs> I've tried many times and I've never gotten through the whole thing. So I'm very grateful that Gabby Bernstein shares the lessons that are inside of that book. Otherwise, I would never know them because I probably won't read the whole thing. So by sharing your message, whether it's the same message that we're sharing on this podcast or something different that you heard somewhere or something you read in a book, it doesn't need to be brand new. It just needs to have your spin on it and to share your stories that will go along with it to color the experience or to color the lesson. That's that's 100% correct. And I mean, I, I mean, at this point, I've read so many books, I don't remember who said this, but <laughs> there was something to where it was everything's been already said, but not through your voice. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, unless you're a tech innovator and you're having some fantastic app that's never been done, go for it. Do you? But nine times out of 10, what you might've said or what you're talking about has been spoken, but people who are finding you probably haven't found that information or else they wouldn't be looking for it. So Mm -hmm. you're there to bring them 
in a new way that another person, you know, would be saying it differently. Like, for example, I really love people who care about, you know, their, their audience. Like, especially even though Gary Vaynerchuk is very loud and abrasive sometimes, he does care about, you know, care about everyone that um, his audience is. So I noticed that there are certain people that we attract, you know, whether mm-hmm. we mean to or not. And I, I think that's a really great point is when you put it out, put out your message out there, there's someone who needs to hear it. There's a reason why you went through everything, whether we know it or not. You know, that's that's why you are where you're at now. And I think one thing that I wanted to ask you as well, because I think it's really interesting for any of my guests or any listeners to know, is when we choose our business, especially our names or our colors, there's a conscious and subconscious choice that goes into it, at least that I've noticed, especially for colors. And I wonder, why did you decide to start your business with, instead of having your name, because a lot of people I know have the personal brand name, uh, why did you choose to have the wholehearted coach rather than your, your own name starting out? Such a good question, because you and I have discussed this. Yes. <laughs> and if I, had, if I had to go back in time, that was purely like naivety, or I don't even know if that's a word, but we'll go with it. being naive, yeah, like being naive is that I didn't know anything about business when I chose that. But uh, the first chapter of the of the Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown is titled Wholehearted Living. Mm-hmm. So I was really into the wholehearted part and ha- what that defines as a, as a like well-lived life. And so it really resonated for me. And that was what led me to coaching. So that was purely me being naive that I was like, oh, I'm going to use this business name. If I could go back in time, I would use my name. Not that I love my name, but I would use my name because it's it, that's how people are going to find you. I don't believe that people f- join or they don't join my Facebook group. They don't follow me on Instagram or hire me as a coach because they like the wholehearted business. They like me as a person, my take. And so a business name could be anyone, whereas your name is your name. Unless of course your name is something that is very typical. Like my name is not, you probably, I'm the only person on the planet that has this name. (laughs) Because yes. it's hyphenated. Um, but if your name is like John Smith, probably not a great idea to do John Smith coaching or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Or Jane Smith or whatever. I don't know. Jane Doe. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't think it's going to be a very good idea to use your name if it's something that has there's lots of information about online. So then I would potentially use a business name. But it's a lot harder to create a brand based on something that isn't you. Like as a coach, I am my brand. It's not like I have other coaches working for me. So by saying wholehearted business coaching, it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be me. So even like Pepsi uses, um, it uses celebrities because people resonate with the person, not the brand. Otherwise, they, you wouldn't see commercials with celebrities because the person wouldn't matter. That's yeah. the reason they use the person is because people resonate with the brand based on the person. If they like the person, they're more inclined to purchase the brand. So I would use my name. If you haven't started your business, use your name. <laughs> and I fully agree with that. And that's actually something that I try and tell people over and over is people don't buy from computers. They buy from people, whether it's you know, whether they see you on the screen, whether they see a picture of you, whether they hear your tone of voice, they buy from you. 
And it's a lot easier to do that when you have your name there and you feel confident in uh, what you're saying or anything to that extent. So I love that you mentioned that for the audience and like any listener who hears this because I know for anyone, including myself, when I started out, as you know, I was so torn with do I go with a uh, something that's not my name or should I go with my own name? You know, there's just so many uh, internal struggles that go even just with that one decision alone for people, especially like me who overthinks things. Uh, Well, that's a great point, though, because we think about the things that really don't matter. Like your name can be changed. I used to because I was not interested in being a business coach. It used to be wholehearted life coaching. Or I also had a a brand name wholehearted living products. Like it it literally can change. Now, when my brand, when my business was quite established, I changed it to wholehearted business coaching, like, uh, maybe just over a year ago. And actually there's a podcast episode where I was really struggling with it because it meant having to change everything, Mm -hmm. every, every logo, every brand, every website, every bank account, every, um, business license, literally everything when I decided to change it. So I really struggled with it, but I wasn't life coaching, so it was hard to do that. But I think that you can change it. So even if you hate, like I have changed things so many times at this point that no one even notices. So don't be too worried. Like literally no one even notices. When I changed it from wholehearted life coaching to wholehearted business coaching, I don't think a single person even noticed. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Because once they follow, once they're following you and they are established with who you are, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. Mm -hmm. Because again, they're following the person, not the brand. Exactly. So one of the things that I want to kind of wrap this up with is for those who are listening, what is one tool or advice you would give them if they're just starting out? Okay, great question. If they were just starting out, I would say just begin. Like you don't need anything. You have enough. You know enough. You don't need anything fancy to begin. I think everyone gets stuck in, I need a website and I need an Instagram and I need a logo and I need a name. And like, actually, you don't need any of those things. You just need to start talking about it and start posting, start engaging with people, start um, creating and getting visible. If they don't know you, they can't purchase from you. If you're not selling, if they don't know about your programs, they can't purchase from you. So the only way if you're just starting out is to begin doing things, even though they feel uncomfortable. I only started doing video because I knew I had to do it, but I was, I literally used to black out when I do it. People still think that I'm so comfortable on video. I still get really nervous and I'm still like sweating while I'm doing it and I make mistakes and I'm like, Oh, I forgot this and I didn't do that. Or I screwed up this or whatever, but you have to begin to be great. That's something I'm big about is like you don't need anything to begin what you have everything that you need and you don't need any of the fancy systems or the fancy logo or the fancy anything to begin. When we started our podcast, we literally started it with Apple headphones and a computer. We didn't have a microphone. We didn't have podcasting software. We didn't have any of the things that we use now because we had to begin before we would figure out if this was going to be something we wanted to stick with. So whether it's do videos, whether it's posting, but create a commitment to doing something that will move your business forward and get you make money and get you clients because it can feel very discouraging to be working really hard and not be making any money. So focus on selling, getting visible and just doing with what you have because 
they, a lot of people don't even know, like as a viewer, you don't see what's happening in my systems. So they're just seeing what they're seeing. Like they don't need any of the fancy things or like if you join a program and you don't have a membership site, they, they don't know that you don't have a membership site. They're hiring you for you exactly. or they're, so you don't need anything fancy, just begin. Um, and it will get better as you learn and as you invest in diff- making it better. So everybody starts somewhere. You don't, start out as an athlete, as an Olympic athlete, you start out as a beginner, not knowing how to do something and you work at it and you get better. That's actually, I mean, that's such a good piece for any person, even those who are established in their business, because you can still get uh, down on yourself or trying to figure out maybe I'm not doing something correctly when it's in reality, you just have to be there and show up and I'm, there was actually today I posted a picture yesterday I tried my first hand at product photography which mm-hmm. was fine but it was more of everything is figure outable like Marie Foley yes Marie I actually wrote says, that down on my piece of paper oh that's Love so that. funny yeah because it's true I mean especially starting out is like you said people can get so overwhelmed I know for myself because I love branding I think branding is just so much fun um, because it shows it shows you but the thing is people get so worried about does the website look perfect does the business cards correct and when I first rebranded my logo part of it um, was a little bit crooked and one person out of 400 people actually noticed that so that shows you it's it's not about having everything be perfect you just have to start and continuously show up I think consistency is very hard for people starting out but once you get into it and you commit to it that's when the real change starts to happen mm-hmm. and that's such a good point that like consistency because I feel like so many people talk to me about, well, I've been doing this for a month and I haven't seen any (laughs) results. Like it doesn't take a month. Okay. So none of us, I mean, if it does, that's great for you, but you're not going to become a millionaire in a month unless you bought a lottery ticket and won. So you have to show up consistently for other people to take you seriously. If you're in and out, if you're, if they see you one year and they don't see you the next year, they're not going to take your business seriously because you're not taking your business seriously. So like the same way you show up for a nine to five job is like, you need to show up for your business. Like it's not, it's not optional. It's not like the same way you wouldn't say, "Mm, I don't, I'm too tired to go to my nine to five job today. That's the same way you have to treat your business. Obviously in the future, you'll have more freedom. Yes. And systems that will not make you have to show up every day. But you have to, at the especially at the beginning, if you're not showing up every day, if you're making it negotiable, if you're spending your precious energy on someone else's business rather than your own business, then your business is going to show that. That's what you're going to see in the results. So you get what you put in. If you're not taking it seriously and showing up consistently, neither will your clients. Yes, 100, 110% correct. And... I think something that'd be great too is for all the listeners here. I mean, at this point, if you don't want to hire her, I would hire her for you guys. Um, and I want to say, cause we're uh, finally at the you're point. You're so sweet. You, you're awesome. It's, it's not even, I'm not even trying to joke around. You are fantastic, but I think it'd be really great for the listeners to know, uh, what are you currently working on? Is there anything that they can kind of look out for in the next month or two? 
Mm. So um, at the end of this month, they will be launching. Well, I've already launched it, but it's closing up for the next six months is my mastermind. That's for people who already have the base systems in place like Facebook ads and um, a sales funnel. But if that's not you and you're just starting out and you're struggling to make money because that's the focus, um, I have my leap into ladypreneurship program, which is how you it, it gives you all of the foundational pieces of starting an online business. So including all of the automation, webinars, sales funnels, Facebook ads, everything like that. And then you can also always hear me on my Howie Hustle podcast. So it's called the Howie Hustle podcast. And we just share entrepreneurial tips for building an online business, things like mindset, also business tools. And then um, I'm live on Facebook or Instagram every Tuesday. And I will put all that in the show notes below so they have that. But I mean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for coming on. And if you guys want to follow her, which you guys totally should, all of that will be down below. And again, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on. Thank you for asking me and thank you for having me. It's been a joy getting to know you. (laughs) It's been great for me to know you and more about your business as well. And you guys, there you have it. I will talk to you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey with Danielle Clem. If you like our show and want to know more, check out the show notes to join in the Insiders Facebook group or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next week for another dose of business, branding, and everything in between. See you then.